All right, I am excited about this one. This is hopefully going to be the start of a a brand new thing. We're going to try and update this like annually so that it's always the latest information for you guys. You guys told me that you wanted an episode about how to prepare for a job interview, how to get ready, give yourself the best opportunity to nail down that job. Uh, So here it is, the 2020 Occupied Guide to Job Interviews. Intro. G'day, my name's Brock Cook and welcome to Occupied. In this podcast, we're aiming to put the occupation into occupational therapy. We explore the people, topics, theories and underpinnings that make this profession so incredible. If you're new here, you can find all of our previous episodes and resources at OccupiedPodcast.com. But for now, let's roll the episode. So, a little while ago, I threw out a message on Insta asking what people were wanted to hear about. Uh, and I got quite a few really amazing topics. This being probably the biggest one, and that's how do I interview? How do I get a job? What is this process and how can I be better at it? Uh, so this is the Occupied's 2020 Guide to Interviewing and Trying to Get a Job. Uh, obviously, I have some experience in that, but I'm definitely not uh, all-encompassing in that experience. So I've brought along the lovely Erin Jeffords to give me a hand with this Hello. episode. <laughs> so thanks for coming in and helping out with this. Uh, you have a, a myriad of experience throughout your, your career and your family, apparently, with regards to <laughs> interviewing. So I'm hoping this is, this is going to be a banger and really useful. Uh, that's what we want to do is try and create a really useful resource for not just uh, new grads going for their first interview, but anyone really that's uh, prepping for a job change or, or you know, going for a promotion or any way that you're going to find yourself sitting in an interview. So I think one of the first things is, I guess, firstly to kind of recognize that, yeah, interviews are stressful. That's probably one of the first things. It's normal for you to be stressed going into an interview. It's normal. It's it's usually going to uh, bring about some kind of large-ish change in your life, in your career. It may have even been precipitated by a change in your life or your career. You may have other things going on that may have led to you applying for this job or going for this change or moving or anything like that. So there's usually other stresses uh, that can accompany this additional stress of going for an interview. So I think the first thing to acknowledge is that, yeah, it's it's normal. It's what you're feeling is normal when you're coming up to these situations. But there are definitely things that you can do to better process and better manage them. And we're going to have a look firstly, I guess, some of the preparation stuff. So one of the things that Aaron mentioned to me before we recorded this is some of the stuff that you can prepare for with regards to your normal routine. What kinds of things can can people do for their normal routine with regards to getting ready for an interview, Aaron? I I speak personally when I think about like when I've gone on interviews in the past or things that I recommend that my students do or just like think about the routine of the day before the interview or the day of the interview, you know, making sure, you know, you get enough rest possibly. Like for me, I'm not a breakfast person, but 
you know, I am a coffee person. So making sure, you know, I have time to have my cup of coffee and, um, you know, making sure that, you know, I do whatever I can to manage my stress for the day, you know, just kind of setting, I hate to say it sounds kind of cliche, but set yourself up for success. So like doing all those things that you would do in a, if you're going to any important meeting or um, presentation or, or in this case, an interview. So making sure, you know, you're getting enough rest, possibly, you know, whatever you need, if you need to eat breakfast or not, um, put it, I mean, laying out, this is like, I'm treating it like I would, my, my children, laying your clothes out the night before, you know, but really knowing what you want to wear for the interview, you know, don't just wake up and grab the, you know, shirt out of the laundry basket kind of thing, you know, you need to, to, to actually treat it, um, you know, you need to make sure that you, you treat it, that it is the important event that it is, you know, you are, you're going to, you want to make that great first impression. So what can you do, you know, that day or the day before to kind of prepare for that interview? So that, those are kind of the things that I was talking about, the routines of um, making sure that you're giving yourself enough time, you know, and not, you know, rushing to get there and, knowing the parking situation as well. And, you know, just kind of the planning, the whole planning of the day is something that I think will really help make you feel more confident when you get there, because you're not going to be worried um, that your day didn't start off on the right foot, you know, just making sure you kind of do everything you can. Now, sometimes it's unavoidable, you know, you, you might sleep through your alarm or, and there might be an accident on the way to the, meeting and you, I mean the interview and you might be five minutes late you know so don't let those things you know really creep in as far mm. as like your self-doubt you know but if you can do things to avoid those things <laughs> like setting a second alarm or leaving extra early so if there is an accident you know that that's what I'm talking about just trying to implement some extra steps um, to make that routine as smooth as possible on that day. I think I think time's a massive one, especially for for me personally. So, like you said, like getting yourself organized so there's less things that you have to put mental energy into on the day. Um, but another thing with regards to time is you can give yourself too much time, and I'm really bad at this. So, for job interviews, if I have say an interview in the middle of a workday, it's not uncommon. I have done it in the past where I've taken the day off just so that I can prepare myself and I'm not running around, nothing comes up at work that is going to make me late or stressed or anxious or anything like that. But in doing that, because I've got everything prepped the night before, I'm just sitting there all morning, just going over things in my head. And to me, that I can almost psych myself out of it. So being (laughs) self-aware about that, and we'll we'll get onto self-awareness in a little bit, but knowing how much time you need and then just adding a little bit extra um, like if you are going to take all morning and you know that you're not going to have a lot on, then maybe you can leave some of that sort of getting you ironing your clothes and that sort of stuff to the morning, as long as you leave plenty of time. So knowing how much time you need, adding a little bit extra, not going completely overboard. Otherwise, you, there, it is the potential there to, to stress yourself out and it kind of has the opposite effect, unfortunately. Um, what about? actually practicing for the interview how how can we do that because one of the questions and one of the reasons actually we connected was you answered 
the question, and I'm going to bring this up now because I think it's still one of the funniest. So I threw out on Instagram around the same time as what do you want me to talk about, about what interview questions people had had recently. Uh, and Erin came back that one of the interview questions you were given were what was it? What chocolate bar are you? It was what candy bar, you know, or chocolate. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you if you were a candy bar, what candy bar would you be, and why? And I was so I had probably I have eleven years of experience now. This was a few years ago, so I think I had nine years of experience at this point. And you know, I was not expecting this interview question at all. You know, and and I I tried to. I think I probably did laugh because it was just kind of awkward you know I didn't know what to say and um and I told you I responded because you you came back and said well what did you say <laughs> and I said a crunch uh Nestle crunch bar because I think that was honestly I think that was the last candy bar I had eaten so that was the first <laughs> thing that came to my mind I have no, and then I had to make it work and I said well um you know it's smooth on the outside but it has texture you know you don't know what you're getting you know and and I and so the girl, you know, she kind of laughed and, um, and then I asked her, well, what, what would you, what, what's your answer? And I can't even remember what hers was, you know, but, um, but yeah, that was definitely by far the most out there interview question I've ever been asked. And it's, uh, I did get some interesting ones in a lot of them, <laughs> your, your typical ones, like tell me about a time you had conflict and how you managed it, that kind of stuff. But sometimes I I have heard quite regularly questions like that, which are so seemingly weird. When I think a lot of the time, questions like that are designed to see how you react. Not that, honestly, your answer itself probably is negligible. Yes, you managed to come up with a cool story about how you <laughs> could be a crunch bar, but it was probably more to do with how is she going to react under you know this uh, sudden pressure because it's a pressure you're not expecting that kind of question and it could be anything i've heard all sorts of things the chocolate bar one was definitely a new thing um <laughs> but you know i've heard about I, I one i have heard is sort of if you were if you had a superpower what would it be just random questions okay. which is hmm. nothing necessarily to do with ot or health care in general um uh, the one thing I would say is that a lot of people, those questions aren't necessarily there to test your healthcare knowledge or your dedication to healthcare. Sometimes they're there to learn a little bit more about your personality. Sometimes they're there, like I suspect the chocolate bar one was, just to see how you might react. And I think in preparation for those kinds of questions, you just kind of need to be yourself. I, I, I've heard People, when they get that, especially the superhero question, I've heard some very out there answers for that, <laughs> where people try and rather than just answer like, you know, I like Batman. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I, I would be Batman. Um, why? Because I like the sort of underdog story of, you know, coming from this sort of traumatic experience and becoming, well, yeah, whatever the reason is. But I'm not going to sit there and try and come up with an answer that, makes me look like I'm a martyr for health professionals. Like I'm not going to, you know, I would be a false prevention man or something like this. I don't, 
that's not the purpose of those questions. There's plenty of other questions in an interview that are there to test your knowledge on health, but that is not the only thing that people are looking for in a in a in an interview. So be aware that not every question needs a health answer. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, they're looking, they're trying to tease out your personality mm. a lot of times in interviews too. So, you know, I mean, they are, I mean, they're just trying to figure out, you know, who you are, what makes you different. I mean, everybody ha- at that point has a license to practice. So what makes you different from this other person? You all have the skills, you all passed your NBC, you know, your certification exam. So what's so special about you or, you know, what can you bring to this job role that someone else? can't bring so sometimes those questions i think you're right they're just trying to figure out who you are as a person and a are you of, authentic, you know or, sorry, sorry you go. i was to say like you know if you're authentic or not you know like yeah. you said like if you try to come up with some like off the wall you know answer or if you just say like hey i like like you said like uh, i like batman i'm an 80s child so i, I would have probably said like T-Man or She-Ra or somewhere, somebody like that, you know, <laughs> which the people at Thirsty that they don't know who that is, but you know, that was, that was who I was obsessed with when I was a kid, you know? So um, that's probably the first thing that would have come to my mind, you know, not like anybody else. Cause I don't know other superheroes. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, a lot of interviews I've heard from uh, like people conducting interviews that, Quite often what they're looking for is, is this person, is their personality, is their attitude, are they going to fit in the team that we already have? So like you said, everyone, if it's an OT position, everyone who applied is an OT, everyone is registered, everyone has passed their exams, passed all of the different things that they need to you know, be a registered OT. And it might come down to the fact that this person, personality-wise, seems like they're going to fit better with the team that we already have because we have a really good team. We don't want to upset that. We want to be better and be more productive as a team. Um, so they're quite often looking for that. They want to, It's hard to gather. I mean, you, you can understand when you, when you meet new friends how long it takes to get a good handle on their personality. And that's without sort of the really sort of formal interview process adding to that barrier. So it's difficult to try and get a good understanding of someone's personality when they're putting up this very professional front. So questions like that, random questions like that, can sometimes almost be like a jolt, like a bit of a shock to the system uh, and can can help give some insight uh, into the, the kind of person that they are. And it might be, that might that I don't feel like there's a wrong answer for those, which is I know probably not what everyone's hoping to hear because everyone wants to know that, oh, this is what you have to prepare for and these are the questions that you're going to get. But every interview is going to be different. I've done interviews. My, like I've gone for jobs and had interviews where they've asked all the very standard questions, you know, um, tell me about a time when you had conflict with a teammate and how you managed it. Tell me about a time when you managed a difficult situation or when you showed leadership or whatever it is. Tell me about your experience. But I've also had interviews where uh, probably the most unique one where I had to just come in and present a case. I had to pre-prepare. I was given uh, like the brief beforehand. You have to present a case um of it's well obviously you're going to choose one that 
you did well in. <laughs> um, right. And I had a I had a PowerPoint, everything. I had to go in and there and present oh, wow. to the panel, and um, like that was that was it. That, that was the interview. It was me doing a presentation, and then the panel asking me a couple of questions afterwards. Um, managed to get that job, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that was a, a completely different setup. And I, there was no way if I had have been practicing interview questions and then got the email saying, oh, you have to present. Okay, so I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for this. So luckily that played into my strengths. And that's that's another thing that you need to be aware of is that not everyone, I don't know many people that will say, oh, yeah, no, I'm really awesome at interviews. Right. <laughs> Oh, wicked an interview. Give me an interview any day. It's like group assignments when you're at uni. No one goes, yes, more group assignments. Oh, so, gosh, yeah, don't get started on the group assignments. <laughs> yeah, they, that's definitely not a, a favorite among the students. Um, no, I'm with you. I mean, I feel like the every interview is different, but it, it, no one wants to be caught off guard, mm. you know, and like you said, like having that preparation someone telling you like, oh, we're going to have this case that you're going to prepare for and present. I mean, that is really a great way for you to showcase your skills. I would, as a, you know, if I was going to hire someone, I would rather have someone do that than like you said, ask the, you know, questions that we always get asked, you know, the routine questions, tell me your strengths and weaknesses and and those types of questions. So, So, but... (laughs) As we know, the majority of interviews are going to be the more traditional ones. So there are yeah. things that you can yeah. prepare for. And the the general interview questions, and when I asked you guys, it all came back sounding fairly similar. I don't think these general interview questions have changed very much for decades. Uh, but it is usually things around, depending on the setting as well, there might be some setting-specific uh, questions around, you know, if you work in drug and alcohol, it might be settings uh, questions specific to that setting but for the most part it's generally uh you know tell me like we said before tell me about a time when you showed leadership if it's a leadership position uh tell me about a time when you had conflict within a team uh and how you managed it i've found that quite often the questions that are asked can give you insight into what's been happening in that team prior to you going for the job, which is a good thing because what you can do is, and it's been a fairly common recommendation, I remember hearing it when I was at uni, is to always make sure that you've got a question for them at some point. And I think the types of questions being asked can, if you wanted to not just phone that question in and actually ask something that is genuine and could be very useful to you, is to have a think about the questions that you are asked and then see if uh, there's anything from that that you might be interested in asking. So, for example, if they're asking about telling you, asking you to tell them uh, if there's been any times when you've had conflict with staff and how you managed it and that kind of thing, then potentially that may indicate that there's been some issue in the past with either past uh, staff, etc., you can ask about that, you know, have you, has there been issues with this in the past? Is there any, how, how, you know, how was it, you probably won't go into that much detail, but how could I support myself or support the team in working through that? Is the team set up well for that kind of situation? Um, 
the and that's just one example but depending on the questions they ask you can base what you're going to ask them on that which is i think a really good way because it shows one that you're switched on mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you're paying yeah, attention you're to what's going on uh nothing happens by accident i don't believe that especially with these kinds of things people are very much looking for specifics uh in your answers and they're asking questions to do that. So if they're looking for someone that knows how to manage conflict, there's a reason. Um, if they're looking for someone with specific skills and they're asking about this specific stuff, like I went for a job a while ago, it was a very generic job, but they were asking uh, a lot of questions around crisis intervention. And I was, didn't pick up on it at the time because I was young and dumb. Uh, but that was something that was lacking within the team. At the time, I found it afterwards. Didn't get that job, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Or fortunately, who knows. Um, But that was something that was lacking within the team. So if I had been switched on enough, I could have framed a question around, is this something that you've traditionally had in the team? Is it something you're trying to introduce? What are the issues that have brought this on kind of thing? Um, And it, it, it shows, it bodes well for you, like I said before, because it shows that you're really switched on in in a end attune, if I can get that word out, to uh, health systems, health processes. So it works well for you in the long run. And you're going to find out a little bit more information about what you're stepping into if you do get the job, which is always a good thing. That's a good point. I, I never thought about it in that way because I have been asked in interviews before about like my learning style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, are you a self-learner? Are you self-motivated? Things like that. And that's typically in the jobs where there are not, there isn't a lot of supervision or mentorship opportunities because they want to know, can you just hit the ball? Can you hit the ground running? You know, yep. can you do this or do you need a lot of handholding? And, you know, I, I know myself, like you said, we'll talk about the self-awareness piece, but as a new grad, I needed the handholding, you know, as a practitioner, I, I don't feel like I need it as much now I still you know if I'm going into an unfamiliar setting or yes but um, as a new grad I was very vocal that I was looking for that type of opportunity where I would have that mentorship but now I'm working more in um, PR I work more part-time in PRN you know they ask me questions like you know can you start you know when you are you okay with you know less supervision or less contact and you know they just want to know that you can take it and do it. Yeah, take the job and do it. <laughs> and so that makes sense because I never thought about that. But that's a question you get asked is what's your learning style? How do you learn yeah. best? Yeah. Learning style is definitely one that, that I've been asked before as well. Um, again, probably when I was too young to realize that it kind of had some indication on what they were looking for or what was missing. Um, another one, like I, I mentioned before, is, a, uh, I've been asked to, you know, tell me a time when you exhibited leadership, uh, which is such a broad question. But again, it can indicate something that they're either looking for succession plans or looking for something that's lacking within the team at that point in time. It can be, uh, a team that doesn't like the team that I, I think it was the interview that I had with the, I'm trying to link which interview is which job. Um, But I think in that team, there was a lot of sort of projects within the team and you were leading those projects. So that was why they were asking about that. So definitely keep that in mind. Obviously, 
The other thing uh, I think specifically for new grads is that with some of those questions like that, you haven't got a lot of that experience because you know you may never have have worked uh, as an OT. It might be you might be going for your first job. Um, and I don't know about you, Aaron, but one of the things that I like to try and it's something you can prepare for is with things like leadership, conflict, learning styles, all that kind of stuff. Pull examples that aren't OT related. Like you've done other things in your life. I remember for the leadership oh, question, I remember pulling out a, an example of something that happened when I was like in Boy Scouts. Like it was years ago, years prior. Um, but it was a good example of what they were asking for. Uh, it had nothing to do with OT, but then again, leadership isn't an OT thing or learning style isn't an OT thing. So it doesn't have to be specific to the job that you're applying for or to the degree that you've just completed. They're looking for, in some instances, I would say they're also looking with those questions to find out about your general life experience and see what else you've done. So if... It's so. always nice to include, like you said, other experiences. But, you know, if you're a new grad you and you do have, you know, you might think, oh, I don't have the experience. But if you had something you can pull from from your level two field work placement, or we, we call them level two field work, you know, your level two field work placement, or even in school, if you're talking about group dynamics and leadership, maybe a group project where you were a leader in school. I mean, try to use, you know, like you said, use a... Um, an example, it doesn't have to be like necessarily as a practicing therapist. It could be as a, as your role as a student, as your role, like you said, in another job, you know, so just make it fit, you know, yeah. for the question. I think one thing too is your degree that you've just completed, the whole degree is back engineered to get you a job at the end of it. So right. anything that most health settings are going to ask you, has been built into your course. So if they're asking about leadership, if they're asking about learning styles, there will be an example that you can pull from your course somewhere if that's all that you've got. I'm talking about someone that's lived under the stairs their whole life, come out, <laughs> done an OT course, and then has applied for a job. I guarantee you there's other things in your life where you could probably pull examples from, but if you, there's not and you can't think of anything, there will definitely be something from throughout your course for pretty much anything that you're going to be asked. Maybe not in the chocolate bar one, um, <laughs> but any sort of the practical tell me about a time when type questions, there'll be something from your course that you can pull from as an example. And these are all things like using these general, uh, I guess, topics that are commonly looked at. These are the things that you can prepare for. Prepare an example. And the question may not come in the exact form that you've prepared, but if you've thought about an example of, uh, you know, when you showed leadership, I've thought about an example of when I was involved in a conflict with a, a person I worked with or with a client. I've thought about an example of how I learn best. I've thought about an example of when I've been independent but then needed to ask for help. You can reframe on the fly, depending on how they ask the question. If they don't ask it exactly how you've prepared, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, so I was gonna say, and you you have to think about like they don't really care how you dealt with conflict. They just want to see if you're resilient. You know, they want to see if you're flexible. They want to see how you think on your feet. Mm. Um, 
you know, so those are the things they're really looking for. So, you know, try to showcase those things, you know, they, and so I think if people go into it, like, oh, I don't have this, like, like you said, this com, I didn't have conflict with a, a co-worker, you know, but they, if you can showcase that you're, you know, you're resilient, you're flexible, you deal well with stress. I mean, that's what they want us to know. You know, those are the things they're really trying to dig deep to see <laughs> if, um, how you deal in those situations, how you handle those types of situations. Um, I always liked the question um, of like, like I was going, I said earlier, like what, why do you, what can you bring to this organization or, or job that someone else can't, you know, because you really have to be able to think about, okay, well, why am I a better role than my, maybe my classmate that's also applied for the same job or, and we, like you said, we both have our license at this point. We're both skilled. We both have the, um, the necessary requirements to be in the role. But you have to kind of figure out, you know, what sets you apart and like why you would be good for that job. That's hard to to do, you know, but you this is like an opportunity to really kind of showcase who you are, you know, and your strengths and your personality. So it's not just about being an OT, you know, what is it? about you personally that you think would be a good fit for that job or that role. Well, that's a good segue. Let's delve into the, the self-awareness okay. stuff. <laughs> so the self-awareness stuff, those of you who have listened to the podcast for a while, if you happen to be one of my students at any point in time, you'll have heard me, heard me ramble on about self-awareness and being self-aware um, a thousand times over because I feel like it's one of the biggest skills that not only are we lacking a lot of cases, but we need uh, and does us very, very well in all instances, but it also does very, very well when it comes to interviewing. So nobody is perfect. I'll say that aside from me. No. Uh, <laughs> but when they, when you're going into an interview, they're not expecting you to be able to answer about how amazing you are for every single question. Believe it or not, it can work in your favor to actually highlight some of the things that you are not so good at, sometimes in specific cases. And I say it that way because it's not just like, oh, I'm terrible at this, or I can't do that. What you would be better off saying is, this is something that I'm not as strong at, and here's how I might compensate for that. Here's, you know, I'm not strong at something i don't know i can't think of an example of my head now but i compensate by doing extra readings i study outside of work a lot that kind of thing um i'm involved in communities of practice online that i get a lot of support from etc like there's, there's a myriad of things but not just saying oh i suck at that and leaving like, please don't do that that's do not, that, a, yeah. not a highly recommended thing um but if you're able to say like these are the things i'm pretty strong at and even maybe why, if you know why. Like, you know, I've got strong leadership skills because I was captains of sport teams and I did this and I did that and blah, blah, blah. I've done this for a long time and then I'm literally transferring those skills over to this particular job. Um, I've also not as strong at this, but here's the sorts of things that I've done and are trying to do to improve that. Uh, that works really well in your favor. It shows that you're actually aware of what you're doing and what is needed in a role and it shows that not only are you looking at the hell yeah these are the things i'm awesome at but you're looking at the things that will help you grow 
I think, and I mentioned this earlier, so that's actually part of my curriculum as a, I've, I've gone back to school, I'm 40 years old, I'm a student again, and, and it's like that first semester was really kind of like the onion layers, like peeling back of like who I am, and I'm like, really, like, you have to kind of look at your, I had to kind of look at myself as, as not just an OT practitioner, but like how I was as a person, you know, the things that I'm willing to admit, like the flaws that I have and the strengths that I have. And so I think it's okay to be vulnerable in an interview and they just want to just be your authentic self, you know, like just like for me early on, I remember saying, um, what was I, I was going to say, I remember saying that documentation was not my strength. You know, like I was, I was good at documenting. I just, time-wise, sometimes I always felt like I needed a little extra time. And, and I feel like that is normal as a new grad, you know, it's like just admitting that, you know, I just need a little extra time documenting, but you know, I, 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 I'm a, also a quick learner. So, you know, you can kind of take a negative, not a negative, but you can take something you feel like this a weakness and say, well, you know, I, I might need a little bit. It's a learning curve for me. I've never used this electronic medical record system before, but I'm, but I'm a quick learner. So, you know, give me two weeks and I'll feel more confident with it, you know? So just trying to take that negative and then make it positive if possible. Or this, I say negative, I mean weakness and, and make it a the learning opportunity. The learning. Exactly. <laughs> There's always room for learning, you know, and, and being lifelong learners. So that's so being self-aware, and that's it's hard as a new grad to get your head around what your strengths and weaknesses are. Because at times, if you haven't had a lot of sort of vocational experience, your only experience might be your placements, which actually again works in your favour because quite often you'll get a written review of your placements, and it's written out there what. These are the things you're good at. These are the things you need to work on. Use those. If that's all that you've got at that point in time, that's the only experience you've got that you can draw on, then you've got a written report. I know it's called a SPEF for most unis in Australia. I don't know what it's called in America, but it would be very similar. So use Um, those points that are highlighted in those placement reports if that's the only vocational experience that you've got to draw on. We actually have, they have them twice. They have, um, well, we have them at the, at the halfway point. Yeah. And then at the, at the completion. Right. So there's two opportunities. And, and if you have a, we call them field work supervisor, you know, there's, it's kind of different. What they're, whoever that role is, if they're not telling you those things as a student, I would just ask. I would say, you know, your last day or last week, you know, what are the things that I need to work on? If they're not, you know, and, and don't be afraid to ask that question, you know, and ask your, I mean, ask your professors too. I mean, you know, what are my weight? I mean, that's a hard conversation because you don't want, nobody really wants to hear, you know, they don't want to hear the good. They don't want to hear, you know, but if you're willing to, if you're open for that conversation, then I would ask. Yeah. I, again, yeah. Like you said, that's, that's a hard thing, but I, it's a, I consider it a life lesson. <laughs> because especially when you're you're young and you've just got out of uni and you're raring to go get into the career that you've been training for however many years to get into, the last thing you want to do is think about, oh, these are the things I'm not very good at. But 
I think you kind of need to reframe that because it's not necessarily that like these are the things that I suck at. It's these are the things, this is where I am prioritizing my learning for the next little bit so that I can get better at that because I'm already good at this other stuff. I'm already at a standard that is more than okay at this other stuff. So now I'm going to focus my learning on this. And like you mentioned before, OT and most health professions, all health professions, hopefully, we're lifelong learners. And this is where it starts is it doesn't, you know, you don't finish uni and then take a couple of years off before you start learning things again. Starts from day dot. Starts from when you start preparing for your first interview. These are the th- these are the things that I am looking to improve in my own practice, in my own self, in my communication skills, in my whatever it is. But yeah, like I said before, draw on your placements. Talk to your 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 placement supervisors. Talk to your professors. Get their feedback. If their feedback is you know really blunt, that doesn't mean like that you suck it's not like that it's actually a constructive thing i would you know again it's really cliche but we learn more from failure than we do from success so it's having someone around you saying oh you're really awesome you're really good at this yeah that's nice everybody likes to hear that but you're not going to grow from that being able to learn about the things that you need to improve on you need to work on and then putting things in place one Yes, that's awesome because you're going to improve on those things and that's how you grow. Two, that's an awesome conversation to bring up in an interview if you're asked about your strengths and weaknesses. Because if you say like, oh, I had this placement, identified that these things uh, were things I need to work on. Here's some stuff that I've done since that placement that you know finished however many weeks ago and I feel like I'm making improvements and I will continue to do that into the future. If you've got an established... Uh, I guess almost part of the reflection cycle, if you've got an established reflection cycle that you can draw on in an interview and highlight that this is how I, kind of a learning style, I guess, I do something, I work out what I did good, I work out what I did bad, I put things in place to improve, and then I repeat, that looks really good to a potential employer. Like we're hiring this person who is self-aware enough to know what they're good at, even more self-aware enough to, if not know what they're not so good at, then they know that they can get feedback from someone else. But then they also put this plan in place to fix it themselves or improve it themselves. Like that looks amazing to someone who's looking for a new employee. I mean, just, I'm sorry, I'm fix that. I'm just making sure that you're saying like that if you are willing to take the feedback and implement it like that shows that you're listening to what the person has to say you know and if you take it at the midterm and you can say oh look my midterm reflection these are the things that I needed to work on and then I was able to take those strategies and implement them and then this is what the result was at the end so you know that was that kind of gives you're saying an example is of taking it and implement, like you're saying, showing that you took the feedback and and did it because that shows that you can actually listen to people, which another and employers want to know that you can you can do that <laughs> as a as an employee that you're actually going to um, take feedback, mm. but also utilize what is being given to you so there's so many things i think they're looking at when they're interviewing you and 
when you're going for an interview, you're just thinking they're asking like you know, these questions, but they're really, there's a reason for, you know, the questions that they're asking because they're really trying to figure you out, you know? And that's the purpose <laughs> of an interview. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, so one of the other but, things that I yeah. think we can duck back to, I had it written earlier, but we should oh, yeah, come right, back right. to is actually researching the organization that you're going oh. in to interview for. So do you have any hints and tips on how people can do that? Go to the website. <laughs> I mean, we have that's, the that's, the easy, that's the easy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's you really need to do your, you know, like you're going for a test. Think about it that way. You know, you're going, you're going to study for an exam. You're not going to show up for the exam without having studied, hopefully. I mean, you, you need to do some background. You talk to people, if you know people that work for the organization, um, you know, just kind of get a good feel of what, you know, where this place was started, why it was started, who started it. Is it a for-profit and not-for-profit? I mean, there's lots of things that just going to the actual, I think the website will tell you, but if you need more, you know, just do your work and find out more. Um, you don't want to be unprepared when they ask you, they might ask you a, a question specific to that, that organization. You, you don't want to say, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know anything about this job. It was just the only job that was, you know, there when I went to apply. Um, it's better to be overprepared than, you know, if they, maybe they won't ask you anything, you know, but I think it's just kind of a, that's a rule of thumb and, you know, better to be overprepared for anything. Um, so it can't hurt to kind of just do your, you know, work there. And, and I also, um, I like to, like, I did say talk to people if, if possible, but if somebody has a negative experience at an organization, you don't, I mean, not to say you don't want to listen to that conversation, but you also don't want that to possibly foreshadow, you know, you applying for that job because, you know, it's still, if it's an opportunity to a, interview an opportunity to apply I would still take that opportunity you know and, and it may be even if someone else has had a negative experience it might not be that for you so definitely I think we know as OTs when we're looking at environment the, the context plays a big part and someone's negative experience doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to be a negative experience to you you don't know all the details around what was happening in their situation exactly but it's important to take what you can from that information. You might be able to, from that conversation, take away some information about how the organization operates. You know, the fact that they might have uh, employee support programs on site or you know, maybe the fact that they don't. Like there's things that you can take away from the conversation other than the emotions of the person that you're talking to. So what you really want to try and do is find out how much about the organization, how it's funded, or probably more important over there than, than here because different health system, how it's funded, how that works. You know, even if you can find stuff, if it's a specific, a job specific to a specific ward, if you can find information about that ward somehow from someone that you know, or even just ring them and ask, uh, you know, things like, you know, what's the average stay? What are the age groups that you commonly see? If you can find out about common diagnoses that you see through that particular ward, stuff like that, uh, that kind of stuff will do, one, it'll do your confidence going into the interview a world of good. 
But also, if there are questions that come up around how do you handle this, you're going to understand already why that question is being asked. How do you handle, you know, brain injuries caused by falls? You already know because you've rung up and you found out that that is one of their leading uh, reasons for admission. That's why they're asking. So because you already knew that, you've already done research into the types of things that may be more specific to working with someone who has that particular condition or that particular uh, diagnosis, etc. And you're better prepared to answer that question when it comes up in an exam. So it's not necessarily just about researching like, oh, who's the CEO and how much does it pay right. and all those sort yeah. of like operational <laughs> things, right. how the organization works, any information that you can get with regards to that. And granted, some of that stuff is going to be hard to find. But you and, don't know if you don't ask. And those are great questions to ask in an interview too. Like if you can't find the information yeah. when you're preparing, you know, when it comes to your time to ask questions, you know, you can ask those, you know, well, you know, what are the t- typical diagnoses that you see or, you know, what's the average length of stay, like you mentioned, Brock, or, you know, what, um, where do most people go if it's an inpatient facility? Where are most of the people being discharged? Are they discharging back to the community? Are they discharging to other rehabilitation settings? I mean, just kind of those are the questions that if you're not give, privy to that information, that that those are good questions to ask because it makes it does give the impression that you are invested, you know, in the interview, but that you're also trying to prepare for for the job. So that, even if you can't find it, I definitely think you said ask. You can always ask. You know? <laughs> What's the worst thing that can happen to you ask is someone says either I don't want to answer it or they don't answer it. Other than that, you're golden. You're going to get some information, even if it's not the information that you thought you were going to get. <laughs> now, I think prep and when going back to that preparation piece, um, you asked me earlier, like, you know, what can you do to prepare? And this, I will get, I mentioned in our last conversation that I was in sales before I went back to school and I had to go to St. Louis, Missouri for two weeks for sales training for this one particular job. And they video like, this is back up when you had a camcorder, like there wasn't, we didn't have iPhones and (laughs) this was a 2002. So we didn't have an iPhone, but they would gave me a VHS tape and it was, I had to watch it, you know, of like me doing my um, kind of sales pitch, you know, or like my mock sales call. There were several and they were all on this tape, but I had to go back and kind of critique myself. And so I think if you can, if you can interview yourself, I know this is going to, you know, like sound in the mirror, you know, talking to yourself or have someone else interview you and they can record you and you can go back later and watch it. That's a great technique you know, to kind of self-improvement technique, because then you can say, I, I know personally, I, I say like a lot, or, um, you know, things that I try to correct, but if I can watch myself on a video, then I can go back and see it. And then I'm more aware of it. So I think that's just like a preparation strategy. If you don't feel comfortable, you know, having someone else do it, then just set your iPhone up and, or your smartphone and, record yourself, you know, and go back and watch it. That's it. And what you'll find in a lot of instances is people are so concerned with answering the questions, they forget about their body language. So videoing it can be a really good prompt to, you know, oh, when I get nervous, I bounce my foot up and down or I play with my, I put my hands in my pockets or 
Something that you look at and you go, that just looks strange. Why am I doing that? Because you wouldn't normally. So videoing it is a really good way of, or videoing your practice, sorry, is a really good way of seeing the things that you wouldn't normally get to see. So definitely a, a thing if you can, it doesn't even have to be the exact type of interview questions, although it is a good chance to, again, practice those as well. If you can write up some common things and have someone else ask them to you, um, you can practice some of your rehearsed answers, practice some of your rehearsed topics, uh, but also then get an op- uh, a look at, one, the way you're saying things, some of those sort of ums, ahs, uh, different fillers, I guess you would put in when you when you're nervous. People communicate differently when they're nervous to when they're comfortable. So the more comfortable you can make yourself in that situation, the more fluid your communication is going to be. Uh, which is what a lot of the preparation stuff that we've already talked about is about doing. It's not about rehearsing. It's about making you more comfortable. So having answers so that you're not shocked or not caught off guard by questions. Having your routine set out so that you're calm, you're collected, you're not rushed, you're not stressed on the day. All of this is about making you more confident at the point in time when it counts, which is when you're sitting in front of that panel. Um, that's the that biggest thing. me. Yeah. It just helped. It helped me. I mean, it helps. It helps me. It helps me. So it's like, you know, it's like trying to give everyone all the little tricks of like, maybe this works for you, maybe it won't, but, you know, here's something that may, may help, you know, and, and prep, prep, preparation in that way. And then type of like a mock interview format, if that will help you, then like you said, it can't hurt to try it. Yeah. And uh, if you, if you're coming at this from a new grad point of view, you're probably graduating with a heap of people in the same situation. Practice with each other. Right. Interview exactly. each other. Every, the other benefit is you don't have the need. You don't need a VHS. Everyone almost has a phone <laughs> nowadays. That's what I said before we had. Uh, right, exactly. You could. Everyone can. Um, I'm sure there's people that. listening to this that don't know what a VHS is. VHS. <laughs> oh so yeah, video yourself um, on your phone, even if you're just recording the audio, if that's all you're looking at. But you know, we've, most people have got some phone or video capabilities you got a webcam on your computer whatever you've got Mm -hmm. um because that's the other thing is we'll have a look at now there's different types of interviews and i think at the moment especially there's a lot of interviews that are happening online yes yes i would agree so actually meetings interviews meetings interviews classes i'm sure everyone has done something online in the last eight months that they probably have never done before or haven't done very much of before so I think that's that's a new type of thing, and I think it, with practice we know specificity with regards to environment helps. We know that from our clinical practice. So if you are preparing for an interview and that interview is going to be online, try and do some of your practice online. Zoom, zoom a friend and just do the interview like this because uh, the other thing is if you have tech issues on the day when you're trying to connect into an interview – your stress levels are going through the roof immediately because it'd be like running late, like your example earlier about if there's an accident when you're trying to drive to the interview and your stress levels are going to rise because you're like, oh, crap, I'm going to be late. They're not going to like me. This is a bad first impression. 
exactly the same situation if you're having tech issues. So if you're able to get online, if you know what platform it's going to be on, if it's going to be on Zoom, sweet, anyone can jump on Zoom. If it's going to be on something else, Skype, etc., see if you can jump on that and test it out on your computer where you're going to be on the day. Set it up. You can. This is your opportunity. You want to try and control the things that you have control over. Some of the things that you have control over in that instance is one that your, your tech is you know ready to go. One thing I've seen a lot of people not put any thought into with any of this online stuff is the background. What is behind you when you're interviewing? I try and keep very little in the background because if I open that cupboard, it's full of rubbish. So I try and keep just plain background. If you've got somewhere nice like a bookcase or whatever it is, use that. Make sure there's no like bad books on there or something. But these are windows. But have a professional. Um, if you do use the filter, you know I. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can just use like a green screen. Don't use something. Don't put yourself on the beach or something. It's yes. Yeah. Something exactly. Like. I mean, you can do, you know, just just do a plain background, just a plain or, color. Um, yeah, yeah, something just simple. Keep it. Some, sometimes, you know, simple is better. So, um, and I would treat those Zoom interviews and those virtual interviews like you would a regular interview, like all those things we talked about. Still get, you know, still yeah. make sure you're treat it like you're actually going to the interview. You know, get take a shower, up. get dressed. Yeah, actually put <laughs> pants on. Right, just exactly. because it's Zoom, <laughs> like treat right. it, keep your routine the same as you would if you're going, obviously without the drive. So the the more normalized you can make this process, the better you're going to perform because your brain is just going to go, nah, this is normal. I know how to heal. I know how to deal with this. I know how to handle this." And that's what you want. You want to go into those interviews as calm, collected and prepared as you possibly can. What other types of interviews? So I mentioned, obviously, I've had a presentation one. There's your general one where you just have your usual questions. Um, Nowadays, obviously, we have a lot of Zoom ones. What other types of interviews have you come across? So I've had had lots of different styles. I've had styles where I've interviewed actually with more of the human resources department first, and they filtered me through that was early more was a new grad I did that and then interviewed with the rehab director of the department Um, I've been in three interviews um, where it's been a almost like a uh, a meeting style interview you know where there are multiple individuals in the room have a panel where you're really I mean that's like kind of you're on the spotlight's on you definitely you know and um and I will say one 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 was my first interview out of college. I, I I did get that job and I felt like I was shocked when I, you know, because it was my first interview, like we talked about earlier, I had that imposter syndrome. Um, and it was in a, a, I was in a room with two occupational therapists, two physical therapists. One was the rehab director um, and of the whole department one. And then they have had another person and they were asking me very specific questions about diagnoses, what I would do in this situ- certain situation with this client, you know? Um, and so, I mean, you can be in those very intimidating interviews. And then I've been in interviews where people, it's just been one person and it's more of a, a conversation, not so much all of those 
questions that we talked about where they just want to know more about like my experience and, um, you know, what I could bring to that job. And those types of interviews tended to be more recently, not earlier in my career. But yeah, the boardroom style interviews can be intimidating. <laughs> I've had the, the group interviews as well. One that comes to mind is when I was first out of high school, I had an interview. It was a long interview process. Uh, it was for the Air Force. But the interview aspect of it, one thing that I've always remembered is there was a group of us and before we went into the interview, we were just in like a waiting room. Didn't realize until afterwards that at one end of that waiting room was one-way glass and part of the interview was you were being observed to see how you handled. Were you social? Were you isolative? Were you fidgety? Like you were being observed from day one or from like minute one. As soon as you walked into that building, it was on. And I think, yes, that's kind of extreme. But yeah. <laughs> also, you, you're if you are attending an interview, there is a good chance that you're going to be observed. How, like, from the moment you walk in, from the moment where you walk in, you might, you know, see the the office lady and say, "Yep, I'm here for such and such interview," and she tells you where to wait. If there's a group of you around, have a chat. One thing, it's going to put your mind at ease and calm you down because you're going to be nervous. So having a conversation with someone who's going through the same thing as you can actually be really cathartic. Uh, and two, if you happen to be seen doing that, then it shows that you're not shy. It shows that you are open and willing to converse and that kind of thing. So it can also work in your favor. It's not always as creepy as the one-way glass in the waiting room, but <laughs> you can be. you will be observed while you're there. That's just the nature of how office buildings work. Or like you said, excuse me, like you said, when you let the person know at the front desk, sorry, that you were there for the interview, how you treated that person. Yeah. You know, if you're, you know, I'm here for the interview, you know, but if you, that person is, is also, they're part of the interview process. You mm -hmm. know, they're going to go back and report, you know, this person was rude when they came in, they were, they didn't have any patience. You know, I, <clears throat> so just be aware of, of that, you know. So, and I think that's, that's where being switched on and being ready from the moment, not the moment you walk into the interview room, but the moment you hit the floor, the moment you get out of your car, the moment you turn that Zoom on, uh, even if you're in a Zoom waiting room or whatever, before you get brought into the actual sort of interview main room, uh, be switched on, be ready, be, be professional, <laughs> I guess. Right, exactly. Which is why I tell people, even if you're on Zoom, wear pants. Because if you're, even if you're just waiting and you happen to like, oh, there's a noise, I've got to close the door, and you get up, it, it, I've seen it too many times where people will not be wearing anything from sort of, where's Zoom, about here, down. Which is, yeah, not the greatest uh, professional look when uh, when it comes to an interview, unfortunately. I had a, my child ran in naked when I was on a Zoom call, you know, and he was supposed to be in bed. <clears throat> and I was, thankfully it was for a class. It was for a class I'm taking and not any a class I'm teaching. So yeah. it was a little bit more casual because um, I was just with four other students and my professor. 
yeah, my son ran in, you know, so now I know to lock the door when I'm doing a call, you know, so for interview, if you're, if you have kids, you know, <laughs> making sure they're not going to intervene. Um, prepare. <laughs> prepare. Yes. Setting yourself up for success. Right. And <laughs> lastly, one thing you brought up uh, before we started this, which I hadn't thought of was follow up. So what, what are your thoughts around that? <clears throat> I just, I mean, I I was encouraged to do this um, before I went back to school to be an OT. I'd say in my when I first started interviewing at a college for other other jobs that I had, it was kind of being in the practice of sending an email after the interview. We did have email. I did have email then. <laughs> sending an email after the interview, you know, thanking that person for their time, letting them know that I was excited about you know, the job, the potential job position, you know, I mean, just showing them that not only that I appreciate their time, but that even after the interview, I'm still interested in the job, you know, the job is something that I'm interested in. And now this is taking it a little step further. So this is just a personal thing that I've done is I've always sent a a follow up, like a written card to, to thank them. So that's, I know that's a, and now I don't do that now I will say I don't I have not done that in the past couple of years but early when I was first getting out of school I'm like you know what it can't help but that just shows that you're very interested and that also if you don't get that job you want to let them know that if it opens up in the future to think you know maybe they'll think of you if it for some reason you know, maybe you don't get that job that you're, you're interviewed for, but they have another colleague that leaves six months later, you know, you want to be mm. thought of possibly, you know, I mean, if, if it's something that if you want it, ask for it, that's kind of my motto. Like if you want, if you want the job and, and you don't get it, just let them know, Hey, I'm still interested. You know, if something happens in the future. So, uh, that That's it. Uh, I think it, that. You, you want to leave, whether you get the job or not, you want to leave an impression. And hopefully, it's a good impression. <laughs> and again, like I said before, you want to control the things that you can control. That's something that you can control, 100%. Whether or not you send them uh, a thank you or a thanks for your time or uh, think of me if this, if something else comes up or... Uh, you know, I appreciated the opportunity, whatever it is, whether it's card or, you know, an email. Email's probably more common nowadays. Uh, right, right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. you have 100% control on whether or not you do that. And it might be the difference between them remembering you when something comes up and the you just being another number that went through that interview process. So... It, it can be a really valuable tool in your arsenal. And I know it's easier said, I mean, to, to get discouraged if you don't get that job that you really want. But, you know, you you just have to remind yourself, I feel like if you're, or I try to tell my students, like, just remind yourself that, you know, you are competing with people sometimes for jobs that do have more experience. So that's not a bad thing, you know, to just be aware, like go back to that self-awareness piece that it doesn't mean that you aren't equipped to do the job. It's just that um, if for some reason you don't get that job, just, you know, there, there is a job out there for you, you know, so just 
just to continue to to look for the jobs that are you're interested in and try not to get easily discouraged if you don't get the first job you interview for. And I think yeah. it's important too. And I know it's cliche, but the worst thing that you're going to get is interview practice, if nothing else. And yes, like I said, I know it's cliche, but one of those things that can help you in an interview is practice. The reason people get so nervous in interviews is because they don't do them very often. We don't sit in job interviews. Hopefully, <laughs> we're not doing them very often. Uh, you'd like to think you'd stay in a job for a little while, uh, but because we're not doing them that often, it's almost like every time it comes, and even now, like if I went for a job, the last job, I, the job I'm in now, when I went for the interview for that, it was almost like I had to relearn how to do a job interview. I had to re-prepare, and I went through all of these steps. Exactly the same stuff that we're we're talking to you guys about is exactly what I did when I had to re like interview for this job that I'm in now. Uh, because we don't do them very often, it's something that we tend to kind of forget or not really take in after we've done it. After we get the job, that's it. Okay, forget those skills. We don't need those now. Oh, I'm going to focus on actually getting good at this job now. Uh, and then when it comes to having an interview again, it's like, oh, crap, what do I do? I've forgotten. Um, so, yeah, so the all of these things that we've talked about today uh, and recommended that you guys do are things that I do myself, would do myself, will do myself if I ever need to interview again. Uh, the 100%, I, I very rarely, if ever, recommend anything that I wouldn't or haven't done myself. So, um, yeah, so... That's where we're at. So just as, I guess, a bit of a summary, the big things that you can do is really nail your preparation. There's so much you can do with your preparation from preparing yourself mentally, physically, your clothes, all that sort of stuff. We didn't go into, like, how you should dress. That sort of stuff you can find on Google. Like, this is the more <laughs> important stuff. Um, practice your interviews. If you can, video them. Uh, review your strengths and weaknesses with regards to how you interview. Do your research on the organization. Do your research on the role. See what you can find out. Again, ring, ask. Check their website. Everywhere has a website now. My dog has a website. Everyone's got a website. Like You can find this information. Information is out there. You just need to find it. Being self-aware, being open to feedback is a really important skill one and also something that you can bring to the interview itself after you've sort of analyzed some of your weaknesses again just to touch on don't just drop your weaknesses actually highlight them in a way that these are the things that i know that i need to improve and here's how i've currently been doing it to or currently been improving and here's what i'm going to continue to do there's a number of different interviews you will Hopefully, find out what sort of interview you're sitting in uh, prior to, if you have to do a presentation or if it's something sort of a bit out there, group ones, that kind of stuff. So you can then prepare for that specific type. But again, if you get caught off guard, try and think on your feet. You will have the knowledge. You will have the examples of what they're asking for. They wouldn't be asking if it was something way out of the blue. Um you just need to be able to process what they're asking. If you're not 100% sure, ask for a clarification. Oh, is this what you mean? Here's what I'm thinking you're talking about. Is this the kind of thing you mean? Ask for clarification. Ask, 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 ask. 
Uh, and then follow-up. Follow-up is, again, one of the things that you have complete control over and it can leave a lasting impression with, with a potential employer uh, and something that is really not that time. Like, it doesn't take a lot of effort or time or anything and it's something that can be really valuable. So the return on investment for sending an email can be massive for you and your career. Uh, yeah, uh, th- massive thanks to, for Aaron coming in and helping with this this massive amount of information. I realize it's a lot of information in a short period of time, uh, and I hope that it's it's very useful. It's something that I'm hoping to uh, provide updates uh, and probably do them every year uh, and update it so that it's you know stays fresh and stays current for our new grads because we want our new grads to to do as well as they possibly can when it comes to joining this awesome profession so uh thanks for for coming in and having another chat Aaron. and uh yeah thanks for all your help and your expertise yeah you're welcome i enjoyed it i just i just hope that this i say students but that um just remember to just be yourself like that's the if i if any take-home point from me is just like be as authentic as you can and be yourself and it'll really show like it'll shine through, you know? So that's what I wish someone had told me. And your last podcast was what, what I wish I would have known. You know, I wish someone had just told me, you know, going into those interviews as a new grad, that it was just really important to just let, like you said, let your guard down and be yourself as much as possible with being professional. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Good luck with your interviews. Let us know how you go. If you like this episode and you want to check out more, head over to OccupiedPodcast.com or search Occupied Podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you have any thoughts or reflections on the topics that we discussed today, do get in contact with us and let us know. We really love hearing from you guys. And lastly, if you got some value out of this episode and you want to help us out, like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to others, and always keep occupied.